Hello and welcome to Groove Therapy, a podcast that explores the effects of live music on our brains, bodies, and our lives and provides a space for you, our listener, to learn more about how you can bring the magic of live music into your everyday life. My name is Dr. Leah Taylor and I am joined here with my fabulous co-host Tara Lee Weathers. Hey everyone, so wonderful to be here. Yes, it is so wonderful to be here. We love recording these episodes so much. It's so much fun. And we notice after we're done every time, we're always like, yay. (laughs) (laughs) We do it exactly like that. If you want a little insight into what it's like for us to record every time we finish recording anything, even if it's a commercial or whatever it is, we both go, yay. (laughs) It's true. But it's good to celebrate things you know it feels like yes and it shows too that like just how much love we have for this which is really important if you're going to be doing something over and over and over again (laughs) yes absolutely and we love it when other people give us love too that is right and we do have some new reviews I was so excited to see I think we have like three new reviews up on Apple Pod. So I am going to read them because I want to highlight these and really encourage all of you guys if you are so inspired to leave a review. So the first one is from Aim Pixie. And Aim Pixie says, I love this content so much. Tara Lee and Leah do an incredible job facilitating thought provoking and inspiring conversations about the many benefits of live music and the community around it. I have learned so much listening to the tips and knowledge that they share, and it has helped me to develop thoughts and ideas for the blog I write for Accessible Festivals, a nonprofit dedicated to making music and recreation accessible to all because it is so awesome and beneficial to so many. Uh, I think I know who wrote that one. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, well, we appreciate it. Thank you, Aim Pixie. And then from GM Sugary, both of your positive energy makes for such great discussions with artists. And then Danny App says, my new favorite podcast with lots of, well, four little hearts with like the little, it looks like they're spinning. So yay. Aw, thank you, everybody. We love you so much. And if, if you feel called to write a review, maybe you could be famous like these three people and we'll read your review on the air. Yes, we will. And it, it definitely fills our hearts to read that. And we're so happy that this is making a difference to you. And that's why we're doing it. So keep listening, keep sharing, keep uh, sending us those five-star reviews. We love to see those too. And leave us a five-star rating, I guess I should say, and leave us a review if you are so called. Yeah, thank you so much for your words. And somebody who has impacted my life big time with his words is our next guest, and that is Mr. Ryan Montblou. And so those of you that don't know him, he is an incredible singer-songwriter that also happens to have a beautiful voice. So it is delivered in this wonderful way. He is a really great guitarist as well. And the thing that I think sets him apart from so many other songwriters is he is really vulnerable and really mm-hmm. kind of lets us into his world where he paints a picture of exactly what is going on. So you can not only like 
jump into whatever it is that he's singing about, but you also feel it in like the core of you. And it evokes so many feelings, like such a wide range of emotions. And that is why like his music is just so powerful and so many people resonate. Like he has a ton of people that have his lyrics tattooed on their body. Hmm. I feel like that is the (laughs) ultimate testimonial that you are like, doing your thing and that you are impacting people's lives if they feel that they want to tattoo something on their body (laughs) that you wrote that will be on them forever. So Ryan has been touring in the jam band scene for a really, really long time. I mean, I think he said there were times where he was doing over 200 shows a year. And so chances are you've seen him at festivals and venues, and he's totally rocking it now. He has a bunch of new EPs that are coming out that are... Wood, Fire, Water, and Air. Yeah. And each of the songs that he chose to go on those, like, have the feeling of that or just are, like, inspired by those elements and... And they're really great. I got a sneak peek of some of those. I feel really lucky. Mm. And Wood is out right now. And I know Fire may be out by the time that you're listening to this. And then you'll be treated to the other ones and have something to look forward to. Yeah, I've listened to the Wood one. And I'm really excited about the Fire coming out. And then, of course, the other ones, too. But, yeah, it was really fun to to hear a little bit about those through the interview. And also to read the story on his website that talks a little bit about how it was created and just his process around that, too. But this interview was so fun. I definitely do not know Ryan nearly as well as you do. So it was great to get to spend some time with him and to really just listen to his process around lyric writing and how just how special of an artist he is. Yeah, he so is. And we actually first became friends because I was at Gathering of the Vibes and I was um, selling merchandise. And so I was in charge of selling the artists that were playing their merchandise. And so he had a whole bunch of t-shirts and I was like, hey, do you have a size of t-shirt that you you don't sell? And could I have it? And I'm going to cut it into something. So he gave me an like men's extra, 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 extra large mm-hmm. t-shirt. And I went into my campsite. I didn't have a needle and thread or anything, but I cut it up into this really cute shirt with all these knots and cuts and things. And then um, one of our other guests, Matt Butler, he was playing a show and Ryan was playing with everyone orchestra that night. Mm-hmm. And Right before the show, it started to like hail and lightning and it was crazy. My friend who's a photographer, Brittany Meth, she like grabbed me and pulled me into the backstage and we were under this tent and it was everyone who was in everyone orchestra and Ryan happened to be there and I was mm-hmm. like, hey, look what I did to your shirt. And they were <laughs> like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. And so then from then on, he started giving me shirts that weren't selling and I would mm-hmm. repurpose them into something else. And I was like, you know... I don't want you to ever pay me, but I want to be on your guest list forever. And it's kind of worked, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Now you're just a staple of the Ryan Blue band. (laughs) Yeah, and that's how it happened. (laughs) That's how we met. (laughs) I love those stories. (laughs) It's so fun. (laughs) Yeah, and now we do the songwriters retreats together, and we're talking about doing one possibly this summer and next winter. Mm -hmm. So stay tuned for that. And you'll just be so inspired by him and his words and his process like even if you don't know his music yet you're gonna want to know his music after you listen to this interview with him absolutely that is very true yeah well before we let you guys go to the interview we should first say that we are a part of osiris 
media and you can find out all about all of the other amazing Osiris podcasts at osirispod.com. And also one of the uh, kind of partners with Osiris Pod is Jambase, which I'm sure you guys are familiar with. And Jambase has a new kind of project out called Cluster Flies. Well, it's actually just in pre-order right now, so it's not actually out, but you can totally pre-order. So what Cluster Flies is, is it's a covers compilation, reimagining Fish's album Farmhouse. And you can check out all of the amazing people that have come together to put this together, www.clusterflies.com. And you can support jam bass and musicians who haven't toured in over a year by ordering your copy of Cluster Flies today. Can you say Cluster Flies three times fast? <laughs> it's cluster really flies, hard. Cluster Flies, Cluster Flies, yes. Oh, yeah, you did it. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. My husband was just telling me about how he's like, there's this amazing thing that's happening and these artists are redoing Farmhouse. And so that's really cool. And I'm looking forward to checking that out. Yeah. So check that out. And for now, you can check out the interview with Ryan Montblou. So <laughs> we'll be right back. All right. And we're back. And we have Mr. Ryan Montblou here with us. Hey, Ryan. Hello. Glad to be here. Here, home. I'm glad to be home and glad to be with you. Yes, we are glad that you are at home and we are glad that you are with us too. And even before I knew you personally, your lyrics totally just like spoke to me and spoke to my soul and like impacted my life and who I am as a person um, just by hearing the words that you had said. And so that is why we decided the theme for this would be the power of lyrics because you are one of the best lyricists like of our time. And I truly believe this. I know I tell you this all the time, but I truly believe this. And so many other people say it. It's not just me. And so I'm super excited to talk about this subject with you and with Leah. Thank you so much. I don't know what to say, but I'll think of some things. But yeah, I'm uh, yeah, I'm honored to hear you say that. And I love writing lyrics. Not that I've written any lately, but it's coming. It'll come back around. I try not to put pressure on it. But yeah, I love, I mean, what do you want to know? <laughs> or what do you want to talk about? <laughs> well, what do you love it's about? It's a big subject. Yeah, what do you love about it? Well, I think in broad, I mean, I writing songs is my just favorite thing to do in the world, you know, which is weird that I haven't written any in a, in a while now, but I've been working on stuff, but um, like working on other songs to put out. But I, I just think I love that art form. I love a lot of art forms. I love stand-up comedians who go up and just with a microphone and entertain a room with nothing but that and with, you know, uh, and I love visual arts and I love dance and I love all, you know, and, and songwriting and being a singer songwriter specifically is for whatever reason I, that I found my calling there. And uh, I love it. It's um, man, what do I start? There's a lot in broad strokes. I would say in music, there are so many elements of music, you know, music can move you viscerally. It can move your body and it can also move your mind and tug at your heartstrings and it can move you on all those different levels. And music is so varied. There's something equally as great about Mozart as there is like Slayer. And there's something equally great about Leonard Cohen as there is about, I don't know, 
Hanson or something. Although I could, I probably take one side of the argument there. But, <laughs> but like, uh, I think especially in my world where I'm a singer songwriter that's come up in the jam band world and also plays like folk shows and stuff. There's music can move you viscerally and it can be harmonically great, great and melodic. Music speaks without words so much and. Instrumental music can be just as moving. You know, Sigaros plays music and they kind of chant these things that I think are in Icelandic, but you don't really know what they're saying, but they tug at your heartstrings and you, you don't know what the words mean, but it's just like, wow, that sounds amazing. But then all that being said, you make all these sounds that can really move you. And to me, lyrics are like this other way. It's like, if music is like this breadth from like left to right of, of like stretching out and how it can move you, lyrics to me are like the pinpoint coming at you that can just kind of poke you and just bring it to this whole, it really just stretches the whole thing in this, in this other dimension. To me, it's like a third dimension. You know, as a singer songwriter, I play guitar and I sing and I have those elements, but when I have lyrics, I bring that into 3D. It's, you know, because what you say is really important. And, and that could mean anything, you know. You could have this beautiful piece of music that's really moving people. And the difference between me just singing the word banana over and over again versus me singing a beautiful sonnet or, or like, or the difference between me saying the word banana over and over again or, the, or me saying Donald Trump over and over again. <laughs> Those do completely different things to your brain and, and, and it, it just completely changes the landscape based on literally just hinging on like which word I'm, I'm saying. So I just think there's just, there's just so much power in lyrics and there's a way to get it right. I don't know. I, I feel like in my art form, I have like an inner compass that I know when it's right. And I know when it isn't when I'm working on it, you know, and I don't know, there's all kinds of range within that, but you know, with, I, I think so many different kinds of lyrics can be good. And it's just, I just, I love the power in it. Can you describe that inner compass a little bit? Like, is there a feeling that you get that tells you that it's right? Or how do you know? Yeah, I mean, in the grand sense, we don't really know what, why our inner compass is right or it isn't. We don't, it, you just have to learn to trust it and you just kind of know. So there's, so for me personally, I think some of that is some innate ability in me to write that I didn't discover till a little bit later in life, you know, like when I was coming out of high school and then in college and then I was graduating and I, that's when I figured out I wanted to do this, but I was writing through college and that in that, yeah, I don't know. There's some kind of, I think I studied poetry when I was in college and I think poets have it, especially where, where every word is so important to the balance of the, of the whole thing. And you just kind of know it when it's there and, and it's not always, that easy. It's not always like black and white. I mean, I have a, you know, like, so I guess what I'm saying is like for, for every song I write, uh, a lot of them actually, I'll have like, oftentimes I'll have 10 pages or 15 pages of lyrics that I tried for that song that didn't really make it. I'll try the same line over and over again. I know rhythmically what I want to say. And so I know what I want it to sound like, and I'll try different things in that. And it's like trial and error. And you just kind of stumble on things that you know, the, the meaning of the words has to work. The, the sound of the words have to be singable. If you're going to sing them, you know, there's a, uh, Pat Patterson's this famous, um, lyric writing teacher. And he talks about prosody where it's like the lyrics you're saying have to match the tone of what you're singing about. The tone has to match the lyrics. It all has to fit in, in this way. There's no exact science to it. I guess, I mean, I guess I could get into like specific examples or something, but you have to keep trying stuff. It has to fit. You know, I saw Paul Simon speak once at Berkeley and he talked about when he got stuck on a lyric, if he had a problem with it, if it didn't sit right, 
he said, more often than not, or almost always, the problem was rhythmic. So you can find something that fits the meaning of what you're saying. You sort of find these nice words, but if it doesn't sing right, if it doesn't sit right in the rhythm, it, then you're kind of forcing it. Words have their own rhythm. That's such a huge like part of this equation, you know. As I talk right now, my words have rhythm. We don't necessarily think of it in that way, but if I was going to break it down, you know, if I was going to break it down, if I was going to break it down, there's like a rhythm to everything that I say. And if I said it in a different rhythm, you'd be like, why is Ryan talking so strangely? And rhythm changes the meaning of sentences literally based on where you put the, the rhythm. So that, and then a lot of it as a songwriter is literally being able to like, I don't know where I like this. There's a whole school of songwriting that's more like kind of discovering what's underneath. That's I mean, a lot of writing is like that. Not necessarily forcing what I want to say on people. Hopefully there's like a kind of discovery under the surface and you see what's there. And um, a lot of it is like, you'll come up with one concept in a sentence. You'd be like, yes, I'm saying this. And then you have to try out saying the exact opposite and see how that feels. And it's just like that all degrees of the compass. You have to just be willing to go in any direction and be like, okay, I just said all clowns are beautiful is my line. What if I said no clowns are beautiful or all clowns are really scary? It's like, what does that do? You have to just try out all those things and kind of keep flipping the pancake and, and see where it goes. Yeah. One thing that you do so well is you really like paint a picture of what's going on, whether it's like an emotional picture or a physical picture. So can you tell us more about that and, and exactly if you have like a process for that or how you do that? Because you do it so well. Thank, thanks, T. Yeah, I mean, I've taught um, songwriting workshops that I called um, paint a picture, not a sign, because a, a sign is like a sign tells you exactly where to go. Go this way, take a right-hand turn. This is where this is, 0.9 kilometers. And you're there, you know, like, and in songwriting, that can be like, do this, vote democratic, like whatever it is, like just, it's, it's like a direct or, or feel this way, or I feel this is spiritual or something. It's like, there's a direct way in. That doesn't usually, I don't find that it ha it, it doesn't usually have the intention that you want it to in a song. You know, you can't really sort of beat the people over the head with a, with a message. I have this Thich Nhat Hanh quote that I've read in some of our workshops that's like, I'm just going to paraphrase, but it's like, you can't, I, you know, you can't impress your ideas on other people. You can't force someone to have an insight. You can't, you can, you know, sort of try to stress your ideas on them, but then it's still just an idea. You can't make somebody have an insight. All you can do is try to create the conditions in which they can have their own insight. So in a song, that's what I try to do and try to, it's really describing my own insights in a way that I think is like inviting to people to connect their own truth to. It's not, it's not, hopefully it's not like sort of beating them over the head and saying, this is how to feel. This is how I feel exactly. Like it's, it's like this ex exploration and yeah, I hope it's a kind of picture to me. It's like an emotional picture. Everything has a balance. I don't think very visually. I've noticed over the years, I hear things, I hear words, I have, you know, there's meaning in a lot of that, but I don't, I've noticed from friends of mine and my girlfriend who, who, who just sees things, she really processes things more visually than I do. So I don't, I don't think my, my songs are necessarily like these like really descriptive paintings of exactly maybe the, a visual scene. I don't know, maybe it is, but I know that, you know, you have to use, you have to use sensory language play on the senses, you know, like I try to do that, you know, what do you see? What do you hear? What do you taste? What do you smell? What do you touch? You know, 
Paul Simon. Had, and and it, it's like, there's a, if you do that well, there's these little details that can really just bring you into some kind of picture of whatever it is, you know, in Paul Simon's America song, like toss me a cigarette. I think there's one in my raincoat. We smoked the last one an hour ago. I don't know why that line is even in there. I don't even know what it had like, but it, I know it takes me into that song and makes me want to cry, especially the first time I heard it. There's something about it balanced with the big ideas that are also in the song. Like sometimes these little details, and again, that's where the compass comes in. There's something, you don't even know why, but there's something you like about that, you know? And I, those things are so much more interesting than saying, you know, what I would consider like a, a Hallmark card or something is like, which is fine. I buy Hallmark cards, but like, uh, you know, if I say love is the answer, peace and tranquility will be yours if you get into this moment now. And I sing that in a lyric, that's all true stuff. But I, to me, that doesn't take me into the moment. If I say, if I start singing about we were on the couch together and eating potato chips and there was potato chip grease all over my hands and my face and then the pickle juice spilled out and the smell of cigarettes was in the air like that. That's not as grand a topic, but you're in that moment with me. So the, the, the key is to try to take you into a, some kind of scene with specifics, but also then what are we doing there? There's got to be some kind of, hopefully like, doesn't have to be a big message, but it's, you know, there's something that there's some truth, I think, in them in each song that you're trying to uncover and just convey. Yeah, I've been taking a copywriting class and that's all, you know, that's really what they talk about, like the details so you can paint the picture. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, and not everybody uses their visual sense as their highest sense. So, and it could be that like, just by you evoking the senses, you know, the people that are visual, maybe they do see that, that visual scene. Um, but then others mm -hmm. that might be more auditory or, you know, feeling, then they have that more activated too, like you. Yep. I hope so. If you convey your truth, whatever that is, somehow with the balance that you know how to do, like it's people will fill in the blanks with their own experience. That's the, you're also not just describe. I don't have a thousand words in a song to describe an exact scene. Like I only got a few verses and courses. And then people paint the picture in their minds. And, you know, great poetry does that too. And the beautiful thing about music though, is it's like poems have to be, poems have words, that's it. And obviously it's, it's a lot harder because you just gotta, it's very sort of strict in a way. And, you know, poetry can be so beautiful that way because each word is so important to it. Lyric writing is the same way, essentially, it's almost the same thing as writing a poem, except you have all these other ways you can cheat. I can, if I say the same word over and over and over again in a poem, it starts to get kind of stale. But if I do it in music, I can change the melody every single time. I can change the rhythm. I can change the volume. I can put harmony on it. There's all these other tricks you can do with the words. And sometimes, you know, that is what you want to do, repeat it or, you know, there's a lot more, you can be a lot more playful with that art form, I find. Yeah. So you know how like your lyrics have an impact on so many people. Do you happen to go back and yeah, and, yeah, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. I mean, and, <laughs> no, that's that's amazing. Yeah. Um, do you have? Do you go back sometimes, or like, do you listen to your music and also feel that same impact, or is it <laughs> is it weird because it's you, or do you have to listen to other people's music to be able to like? have that or can you get it from your own too yeah it's, the experience is different for me obviously because I made it you know what I mean it, like I have an EP coming out in a few weeks and right now I'm listening to that for the millionth time and then once I put it out I won't listen to it again 
by choice. I'll hear it or something, but I'm not going to put it on. I don't, I feel that stuff when I write it. The experience for me is a totally different, you know, it's like putting on a show. We're all there in the room together, but most people are parking and coming through the front door and putting their ticket in and great. And we're all there. But my thing is like, I've showed up five hours early and parked in the back and loaded into an empty theater and did a sound check. And then, yeah, I'm still there on stage. It's like that with the songs. It's like, I, I'm there, but it's, it's a, just a totally, it's a different experience. Now, that being said, I, I've been, it's nice when I get pleasantly surprised by an old song or something. I still learn lessons from my songs. You know, I've sung, my song 75 and sunny like a million times and i have to make sure to still get into it i have to connect with it i have to not mail it in and it's hard sometimes no it's just challenging because i've sung it so many times that i can just and there's a lot of others i can do on autopilot with emotion with a good performance or whatever but if i'm not careful i can be just thinking about we need to fix the stove at home or whatever you know like i could just, just I, but i have to so i just have to be diligent and get into it and then if i do that like i can i can always connect to some kind of truth in it it might not always be the lyrics but it might just be like some little mini guitar part i've played a billion times that i haven't you know like oh like some little sliver of playing it a different way or just being more conscious of it you can always just be conscious of it and i but my songs yeah like i can learn lessons from them sometimes and I'll, or I'll be like, oh, that was pretty good. I did that, you know, because usually it's the other way around. You hear you hear your old stuff and you just cringe and you're like, oh, God, what was I doing? But that's usually more of like a performance thing than it is like the lyrics don't bother me as much as, as time goes on. And some some really live on. And I, you know, some more than others, I just never, ever get sick of playing. And um, usually whatever's the newest is people ask, like, what's your favorite song to play? And the, and the boring but true answer is whatever is the newest is really the closest to my heart and the closest to like my truth in that moment because I just wrote it or whatever. And it's it's kind of a special thing when you when you have it. Some songwriter told me when you write a song, it's yours for about two weeks and then it's everybody else's. But for that first couple of weeks, it's yours. Like it's, a, it's, it's, you know, and then you just, you kind of release it. And then, you know, you keep playing it, of course, and you connect with it. But then by that point, it's everybody. So it's a victory for me if I listen to something that I've done in the past and I like it. Because usually it could just be the other way around. Because once you create something, you, you've already moved beyond it. And I just want to do the next thing. Yeah. When you're in a performance, how do you dig deep to that place? So you are connecting with every single song, especially like, you know, if you've done it a lot of times, or if it's like something that you kind of outgrew, and maybe you don't fully resonate with anymore. How do you dig deep to like be able to connect with those words? Well, it can be challenging. I mean, you to me, it doesn't feel like digging deep as much as it just feels like relaxing, letting go and taking in the moment, you know. I used to study music with um, Kenwood Denard, who's a brilliant uh, drummer, teacher, amazing guy. And he, he would talk about the first, the first lesson I ever took with him. He taught, he started to teach me his nine brain system of music. And I was like, okay, I'm in for, for, for some stuff here. But at one point he talked about, you have your productive brain and your receptive brain. And a lot of times when you're performing, especially, you're so worried about your productive brain. I need to produce this sound and produce this timing and remember this lyric and hit this change here and do it. I need to produce. And you're so concerned with that, that that's, if you get too concerned with it, that's when you forget lyrics. That's when you have stage fright or whatever. That's when you just kind of can lock up. So you have to get your receptive brain in, take in the sound of what you're playing, 
look at the room, smell the room, look at the person in the front row, you know, hopefully not smell them, but maybe, you know, like (laughs) just take in information. (laughs) Yeah. And then that's okay. Yeah. But usually it's the other way around. Um, (laughs) But, you know, take it in, you know, I remember Haley Jane, like a couple of years ago was talking about, she was starting to do her solo acoustic thing, like basically for the first time, but like really getting into that and playing guitar. And she had this epiphany about listening she was like, I know it sounds so stupid, but like she, she, cause she's so theatrical. She's coming at it from all these other angles and she's so creative and things like that. But in terms of like, just purely playing music and listening to what you're doing, cause there's all, that was the, you know, Kenwood's nine brain thing was like, one of them was your ear brain. There was also your eye brain, your nose brain, your, there was all kinds of stuff, but it was, it's, it's amazing if you, if you play and just sort of try to shift your consciousness to what those different things are. You'd be surprised how it, you're not just always listening, but if you focus on it, be like, I'm going to listen right now. And then he had in his ear, in your ear brain, you had like time brain and rhythm brain. I forget. I have to go review it. But so for me to get in the moment with that stuff is really something like that. It's really as simple as like, relax, listen, listen to this part, you know, try to try to look at it in some different way than I'm used to doing. So I just, so I don't zone out, you know. Yeah, some of that was reminding me of, of our interview with Lebo and the flow, the formula for flow, like surrender yeah. structure and how, I mean, they really do take different parts of your brain. But yeah, as a musician, I would imagine that you really have to open up to that surrender. You can't just be in that like really, I can't remember the words that you used, Ryan, but like the the focused part, the thinking part. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pro- productive and receptive. Yeah, you, Tara Lee, we were talking about that this weekend, what Lebo said. Which is what you need the discipline and the yeah and the surrender, and that equals flow state. Yeah, that's so beautiful. I have so much to learn from that. I think it's really interesting. I think the it, this might get into the weeds, but I think it's really interesting, and I haven't put my finger on it. But the difference between my art form as a, I'm a musician, but I'm also like what we're talking about the lyrics of this whole other dynamic, and I and I need to write those and feel those and present those. And that takes it into this other territory than a lot of the musicians I look up to and the ones I hire and the ones I get to sit in with or whatever, just these incredible musicians who do it on the level of playing their instrument. They're not singing lyrics. They're not writing lyrics. They're playing their instrument and they're connecting that way. And there's such a beautiful like depth to that. And so many of those guys I know, like Lebo, have like put in a million hours on their instrument and just keep getting deep with that. And he's uh, written too and sung. I'm just saying like pure, ins- pure, you know, usually instrumentalists. It's a, it's a slightly different art form than being a singer songwriter where you're also a musician. And I'm just curious about the differences because I don't want to let myself kind of cop out and be like, well, I'm not just a guitar player. So I can kind of, I can, I do have the luxury of like, I don't have to practice my guitar as much as the guys I hire to play guitar but I have to put my time into the lyrics. It's kind of, it's the art form's a little more because of those different dimensions. It's, it's spread into those different dimensions, you know what I mean? Practice wise and everything else. And I just got to make sure I'm not copping out and, you know, being like, I don't have to practice. And I mean, I, I get lost in the weeds in that, but it's something I think about a lot because the people I look up to are practicing a lot more than I am. Seems. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure everybody has their own process and, yeah, I mean, it. I would imagine that it's different with the songwriting. I mean, it, that it uses a different part of your brain, and that I'm sure you spend a lot of time with that too. Singing is an interesting, like, just 
kind of ticket into all these situations, you know, I remember years ago, like the guys in my band, like practiced a ton, like I'm saying, like, you know, and I worked a ton on stuff and worked on the lyrics and things like that. But I, I didn't practice my guitar nearly as much as they all practice their instrument. But yet I remember it was um, Sam Kenninger band was at a festival. who's an incredible band. Sam Kenninger is like world-class sax player, Nikki Glassby on the drums. It was just like killers killer killer like but everybody in my band is like freaking out about how good everyone in that band is and so am I and they've practiced more than I have but I'm the one who gets to sit in with them because I sing which I don't practice at all I just sing you know like singing and lyrics is like this interesting I don't know it's just such a direct key into like languages especially is like but singing too is like just this I don't know it's such an easy kind of doorway to open for people sometimes I feel lucky to do that yeah, and it takes a lot of talent and a person that can really connect to that. So that's that's something that could off-balance the practice too. Yeah, well, I'm just so curious because so the musicians that you're talking about, they can like close their eyes and get lost in a jam and improv and go to a place yeah. that they didn't expect the song to go to where your songs more have a like beginning, middle, and end. So I'm wondering if maybe that there's like just the, the difference of that. I'm just really curious yeah. about. <laughs> no, it's an interesting thing. It's especially coming up in the jam world. It's like, I'm thinking about it as you're saying it. And it's like, there's def I'm reading like a book by Carl Berger right now, which is like music mind experience and stuff. And it's really, and there's, these are like mostly jazz players and stuff, but they're really getting into that flow state is what it's all about, you know? And I just wonder as a singer songwriter, I know it can still be done, but yeah, it's, I'm also, it's like, not like, like we don't love Bob Dylan because he was just in such a flow state on stage. He was in the flow state with the writing. I guess that's what I got to give myself credit for is like in the writing in some yes. way, but, but even that, but with writing, it's such a, it's a, it's like composing, you know what I mean? So you write it, it, it it's made to come out sounding like you're in a flow state, sounding like it's just coming off so easily and everything fits in, but you spend so many hours to get it to sound like that. So it's really like a composition or, you know, beautiful works of visual art look so flawless, you know, and, but so much went into that. So many studies or whatever, maybe, I mean, some people just, you know, splatter something and it's great, but so I guess I got to give myself, and you know, also it's like, you can't be all the things, you know, I, I'm not going to be Sonny Rollins up there and I never were, whatever it is, you know, I just have to, to be me, me, whatever that is. And I think that's part of the struggle coming up is like, what the, what the hell am I? And I think as a singer songwriter, you, you can be a lot of different things, you know, I mean, as any musician you can, but you know, it's kind of, it's been a struggle like that over the years to figure out like, oh, we want to make people dance, but we also want to make them listen. And we, you know, you say, if you come up in the jam world, it's like everybody on some level is supposed to be fish and like you change your set list every night. and it took me years before I like allowed myself to be like, this set list is pretty good. Let's try this again tonight. You know? And it just, because no one, like the people from last night in Columbus are not coming to see me tonight in Chicago. They do that for fish, but they're not doing that for me. So it's okay. Like just put on a good show. It's like you, I, so much of just learning about who you are as a musician and as an artist or whatever, is just eventually just allowing for your own peace and just, you know, doing the best you can and figuring out what that is. So it's like, yeah, I'm not fish. It's, you don't come hear me to hear the crazy improv jams, but like, I'm interested in that. I'd like to, to be an improvisational element, but also like, that's not why I would go to see like Greg Brown or, or 
Leonard Cohen when he was alive. Like, so, you know, like there, there's these other artists. There's just so many different ways to, so many different ways to skin the cat. Yeah. Yeah. And if everybody sounded like fish, that would be so boring. We need variety. Yeah, which, which they, a lot of them do now. <laughs> there's a lot of young bands who do so. No, I don't know. Yeah, no, it's no one, no one can sound like. How did you get hooked into the jam scene, Ryan? How did that happen? That's a good Was question. A I mean, I, I mean, on some level, I think I also, yeah, like I think I, I was always drawn to that and I got really into that in college and I had some great friends in college who turned me on to like Modesky Martin and Wood and, and some jazz and stuff. And just, I loved the jam scene where there was, and looking back now, there was clearly something going on there that was different than certainly the music industry and things like that. There was a lot of just heads coming out and now like you know everyone has like a Bonnaroo or something like you know Coachella and all this like there's there's festivals of all kinds but that used to be just a jam band there wasn't like a as as much you know like so I think think I was always drawn to like I mean the great parts of the jam scene are the best parts of any scene where there's an openness to new music I love that you could be fish but you could also be Modesky Martin and Wood or you could also be like there'd be like hip-hop acts or there'd be fusion jazz or and it was really it's kind of lost its meaning but it used to be I mean people had elements of all these different things and it really kind of meant something now kind of everybody does I feel like um and I was always open to, I was always drawn to that because I didn't really know what I was. I'm, I'm a singer songwriter, but I'm not, I'm not purely a folk guy. I'm not, I'm definitely not like a rock guy, you know, but I want to incorporate all these elements. I'm not a jazz player, but you know, I can hire jazz players and we can do some cool stuff there. And so I was always inspired by the variety of that and the openness to it. And then the bad parts of the jam scene are the worst parts of any scene where there's like just people who are in there only for the drugs or there's a, there's a, you know, a selfishness and a just like my party, blah, you know, like those, you see some of that in the jam world and it's so off-putting because it's, it's so hypocritical to what, to me, what it, the original idea is like openness and change, you know, and, and there's, there becomes this thing where it's like, if you don't look like the other Wookiees or something like that, they're going to like, you know, you're, you're, you're like the jam police come out and that's like, just like, screw you. That's like the opposite of why we're here. But the, for the most part, you know, it's like just a really open scene. And I also, to be honest, it's not like I fell into any other scene. I was not a part of the rock scene. I did not get a, I wasn't getting a, a, a record label deal or something. I wasn't in the pop world. I wasn't, the folk world is kind of a lifelong thing that hopefully you you kind of belong in, but that's, that's its own thing. And it wasn't, I wasn't just clearly set up for that. So yeah, I remember there was an interview I did years ago. It was only a few years ago. And their headline was like Ryan Montblou finds a home in the jam scene or something like that. And I was like, that's cool. I wouldn't have said that, but like, yeah, I found a home there. And I think I had help early on, like, you know, a lot because of, I was drawn to it. I had, you know, I got booked by people who are in that world and, and, you know, probably kept me in that world more than I would have or something. I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting thing because I, when I think about it now, it's like, a lot of people in that world are going for the shredding solos and the, and the, and the improv and things like that. And then, I get up there with like these kind of R and B vocals and a you know, it's like, I appreciate the patience that people had or whatever that to, to like the acceptance that, that we got in that world. Cause it's not like I never lit that world on fire either. It's not like I became the biggest thing in the gym world. Like I was only, I'm still like, I don't know if there is a norm in that world, but I don't think I'm it, but you know, I'm just happy to be a part of it. I'm just so happy to like 
be some stitch in that world. I have a question too, because I know you also write songs for other people. And so I wasn't sure if you were like hired to write a song for this person or you wrote a song that someone resonated with and wanted to then sing themselves and like how that all worked. Yeah, it's a good, it's so funny you say that because I was saying my prayers last night. That's what came to mind. I was like, I want to, or I think it was today. I, it was just like, I want to know how to do that more. I want to be more, I want to write. I was trying to visualize the lesson of today in this book I had was like visualizing what you want. And, and so it, it led me to like thinking about like visualizing what kind of life I wanted. Part of that is, is writing for other people because I want to do it so much more. Cause honestly, when I've done it, it's been more just like by direct connection with those acts and they had needed lyrics and I wrote them lyrics and because I had some connection to them, you know, like I used to have the same management as Trumbo and Shorty and he needed some lyrics and had a song and amazing like track and melody, but I just tried some stuff and he sang it. I mean, it was amazing. It was really liberating to write for somebody else and not myself. It's kind of mind blowing. It's kind of liberating in a way because you're like, I don't have to sing this. What would, but it's also hard because it's like, I don't, what would he want to sing? I don't know Troy that well, but I admit, you know, and you know, you just do your homework and listen and try to come up with something and that. And then it's like that relationship is what led to like, I wrote some stuff for Galactic and that was the same kind of thing. They had a track they were working on. They wanted me to like try some lyrics and I've tried for stuff, stuff for them that they didn't use. Same with Shorty, like I've tried, you know, you just try it out and hope it works. And sometimes it doesn't. It's so rewarding because if it works, then it's like you had this, it's really enjoyable to do that kind of work. And then they have to take it and they record it and they promote it, whatever, all that stuff that you have to do with your own stuff. And then if it works months down the line or a year, whatever it is, incredibly, you could get like a check in the mail or something and just get like sustenance from that. And it could keep going and then they tour it and all that stuff. So it's, I love doing that stuff. And I, and I love when it works, like um, I've done a little bit of co-writing and that stuff, but that, that's something I'd really love to do more because there's, I don't think that's the norm is like a personal connection with the band and writing for them. I think, I think a lot, I mean, there's a whole Nashville's like the capital of the world for songwriting. And there's all like, there's people who just do co-writes there five times a day, you know, and go in with different people and, there's a whole world and industry set up of people writing with others and try, you know, and they're just creating songs and then artists get paired with songs. And I would hope to be a part of that world. I would love to do that, but it's always, it's just like, I've been saying that for 10 years. Have I done much to, you know, to like really make myself part of that world? Not really, but I hope to. Yeah. If anyone out there, if anyone out there is listening and is in that world and wants to bring Ryan into that world, reach out to him and bring him. We'll put it out there. Uh, See, you did a thing. Nice. You did a thing. Thanks, T. (laughs) Yeah, I I appreciate that. I would really love to be involved in that kind of work. And just I think that for me, that's like a major thing as I grow like a major lesson I need to grow into is like collaborating. You can be the kind of lone wolf like writer doing it all on your own and I'll still do some of that but I it, whether it's writing or just creating like I, I just I feel that need to like build some community around I don't know just collaborating with people and I do feel like I have I mean I you know I think I could do some good work for people with their lyrics and you know I haven't been the best at like coming up with like hooks which a lot of people want or whatever but I'm really good at verses which I don't think maybe a lot of people get into as much I don't know but I could get better at it too. So yeah, that's my sales pitch. Get at me, people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that though. How, I mean, how rewarding would that be? You know, I would love to, especially as I get older, 
you know, I want to do great work and I want to be a, a medicine man with music more than I want to be the rock star. So if I can write a song for somebody else and they can be the rock star and I can be like, that's my song. And they could, I would love that. The idea of that as I grow older, it gets so appealing to me. So we'll see. And I got a little bit of wanting to be the rock star in me, but you know, that's okay. We all have different parts. <laughs> yeah, true. There's always like, you know, it's like the yin yang. It always has the little, the little eye in the other parts is what makes it all complete. You know, a little bit of each. Yeah, yeah, you can be like Dolly Parton, right? She wrote a lot of songs for people, but is also a rock star in her own right. Sure. There's a lot of people who write like, yeah, there's, there's writers, writers who like Jimmy Webb and stuff who's like, just, you know, they wrote these songs that other people had huge hits with. And the people who know will still go see that, like they're very revered and, and, you know, I would love to be one of those guys, you know, one of, one of my old managers said I was on the John Lee Hooker plan where by the time I was 75, everyone was going to love me, which is not what you want to hear when you're like 35 and busting your ass in a van or whatever, you know, like, but, uh... but yeah, it was like, what, what, you know, like, that's not what that, you know, I'm, I feel tired right now. I'm not, if that's your plan manager that I just need to be patient for the next 40 years. But I hope he was right. You know, I would love that. I hope, you know, I, I, I feel the roots are strong. So, you know, we'll see. Nice. Well, <laughs> you have some new material that's coming out. I know you mentioned your EP. So, and speaking of Medicine Man, it has an elemental theme, right? So mm-hmm. Earth and is fire the one that's coming out soon? Fire's coming out next. Yeah, I called the first one wood, although I used the symbol for earth. Yeah. But I took a little poetic license, but that, that, that is the alchemical symbol for earth, but I didn't mm-hmm. want to call it earth. <laughs> and I wasn't going to call this thing like earth, wind, and fire for obvious reasons. Right. <laughs> that uh, makes sense. Yeah. But that's coming. But yeah, I didn't, I, I didn't know what this thing was until, I, I usually don't until further on in the creative process. I don't know what a record's called or what it is. And this one I had... I just had a hell of a time with being like, what is this? And and then it just eventually just kind of kept at it. And it just all kind of lined up one night. And I was like, I had had some thought about the elements, but I was just like, yeah, no, it's four. Cause it was 15 tracks. I didn't want it to just be one mega album that I put out at once. I was like, there's, I want to put this out in parts. And yeah, eventually it just all came together. Wood, fire, water, and air. And they all just kind of fell into their own category in, in that way. And yeah, I'm proud of it. It's been a lot of work. It's basically been like two years of like working on these tracks. And it's been sometimes you do a record in four days and that's it. And there's I've done those records and I will hopefully do those records. And I, you know, some sometimes that's the best stuff. But there's other times, too, where I, I'm in it right now. I don't know, for whatever reason, I had to just keep grinding on these tracks and just kind of spend all those countless hours like just just kind of really trying to meticulously work things. And I just hope people like them. I know I needed the experience of doing that. So it's, it's still going on. It's still like, I may have to, I have to approve the master for fire today, which was supposed to be out like tomorrow originally. Now it's going to come out like early May. I think it just keeps going. Nothing. It's one of those things. Like if this one, just nothing's been easy about it, but in the end, no one else is going to feel that, you know, they're going to, I just, you know, hopefully they're going to feel good from these songs. Yeah. Anything you feel like you've learned from this process or it's, it's given to you, I don't know, a gift, a lesson, something. Well, I've spent my 10,000 hours touring and performing and playing and doing that. And so, but I'm also a recording artist and I put out a lot of records over the years, if you count them all up, but the amount of time I've actually spent making records 
is not much at all compared to the amount of time I've spent touring and playing. So this was, and I knew that on, on this was like an opportunity to get my hands dirty, get get some hours in being a recording artist, which is a different art form than putting on a show. It goes hand in hand in some ways. It's still performance art, but it's kind of stretched over a longer period of time. And it's just like, yeah, when I would listen to some of my favorite or some tracks that really struck me, you know, my last few records were really stripped down, really raw, like solo acoustic, some tracks, but just there's a lot of real raw feeling on there and just the production's really raw. And I just wanted to go in the other direction. So this was, an, this really like made me more confident to like trust my ear. I've always been really kind of nervous in a studio and, and I need, you know, direction, like just because I don't trust my own ears and I'm just really second guessing things. I have trouble with decisions in general. I had to make them, I'm still making decisions on this stuff. And so it was an opportunity to force myself to, to make some decisions on things. And here I am two years later, like just barely getting this thing out. But yeah, I just think it was an opportunity to do this whole other side of the work I haven't, I haven't spent much time on. What are you most looking forward to just moving forward from today on? I mean, artistically, I'm really psyched to get these records out. Finally, it sort of feels like I need to have the baby. And then and then because I haven't written a song in, you know, a year. I haven't written during the whole pandemic. It's, it feels weird to even say that out loud because like I call myself a songwriter, which I am. But I haven't and I still don't put pressure on that. I'm not worried. The songs will be there. I'm going to I'm going to. And that's why I want to put these out and then take everything out of my music room here and then put it back in and, and just kind of set things up again. And I have some amazing books I got to get into the creativity and flow of that and just and just try to get more discipline with my time to doing creative work. So, and then I'll, I'll write more and then see where it goes. And I'd like to put a band situation together to put out these records, like once they're already out. What is the most like interesting interpretation of one of your lyrics that you've heard from somebody else? Uh, that's a good question. I know one time, one time uh, I have a song called Cue the Majesty, which is like, I used to say that when we'd be on the road and you just come around some turn and then all of a sudden there was a valley there and you'd be like, cue the majesty, you know? And, and um, I remember the dude came up to me at the end of the night at a show, like after the encore or something, or was that a festival or something? And we we're all still hanging out and man, that last song blew my mind. And I was cue the majesty, you know? And, and he was like, which album is that on? He wanted to go buy it. And I told him and he, and he did it. And, he was like, that was so amazing. He was clearly like stricken by it. And then he came up again a little while later and he was like, I thought it was kill the majesty, <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> which is totally different, but he <laughs> thought it was that, but then he still didn't mind when he learned it was cue the majesty, I guess, but you know, whatever, you, whatever you want it to be, I guess. I know whenever somebody posts my lyrics online, almost every single time there's something wrong in the way that they wrote it, or there's some word that's off, or almost every single time there's there's something. And as a like songwriter who struggles with perfectionism and things like that, it's it's driving me crazy. There's like lyric sites with the wrong lyrics, and I spent so much time writing it, and it's like you just have to let go and do it, you know. But it's funny, like it still meant enough to those people to post it, and it's not it's not like kill the majesty versus cue the majesty. It's like the word this versus that or something or the word with versus for or something, which to me is a huge deal and changes the whole meaning of the whole thing. But if, you know, people, I don't know, people post all kinds of little, little changes that they hear or something. 
which is fine. Uh, it's okay. Dan and I have we have two different interpretations of a line in one of your songs. I think it's it's I can't wait where you say people making people here to stay. Mm-hmm. So I think that it's about people having children, and he thought that mm-hmm. it was about doctors keeping people alive. <laughs> those are both good. They're, they're neither of those is wrong. You hope that lyrics just speak for themselves and people take whatever, you know, the cool thing is to like whatever you think it means, but I can tell you what I think it means if you want to know. Yeah, like, I want to know. <laughs> I mean, I think it could be either of those things. To me, it's just the positivity of like people, yoga teachers make people make people here to stay. And there's, there's like a positive, you could do it in anything you could do. You, you could be a righteous pizza vendor and want people to stay. And like, the mm. you know, it's just that it's the, it's like sort of, my glass is raised to, you know, people making people here to stay. And again, that's just a, I would imagine when I wrote it, like, that's just a fun line to sing. That's where it came from. You know, it just feels good to make, you know, here's to people making people here to stay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to re- I... Repeat the word people, but yeah. it's, it can be, it can be all of those things, you know? Yeah. I love that line. I well, so many of your songs. I love singing the lines and so many people do. You even have the one where it's like people will sing all, I'm going to mess it up. People singing all the words that. How does it go? Uh, oh, I want everyone to love all the words I sing. That yeah, I want to love. I want to learn to love everything. I want everyone to love all the words I sing. But the world's too big. The world's too big. I know. That me is to me is just me being honest about where I'm coming from. You know that um, I can call out that I'm sitting there in front of a room and I'm a singer songwriter and just to to be vulnerable and tell you what I'm thinking of. Like you know, on a grand sense, I want to love. Well, I want to learn to love everything, don't we all? Wouldn't that be nice? And I want to learn to love it, you know? And then and then as a singer-songwriter, I want everyone to love all the words I sing. It's what do you want, you know? That's what I want. That's me just trying to yeah, be honest. I still feel, you know, still feel that, obviously. Um, that'll never go away. Yeah. Was there any last thing that you would like to share with our audience before we go? No, thanks for having me. I definitely want to do more of those songwriting workshops with you. And um, hopefully you know, keep teaching songwriting and hopefully writing for others and writing for myself. And it's really a beautiful art form. It's really an incredibly powerful part of music lyrics, which people know, but I don't think you know the extent of how powerful it can be until you really nail that lyric that feels great to sing. And it could be something you shout to a crowd. It could be a way, lyrics have a way of inviting people in. You can also beat them over the head with it and just do a big shout chorus, big epic thing. But there's really a way to kind of draw people into your story. And I think lyrics do that beautifully. So, I mean, there's room for all of us to grow as musicians. But I think there's lyric writing, like anything else, is an art form that you can work at. You know, you can work at singing, too. You know, people just, I think, tend to, a lot of musicians tend to think that those are things you, maybe, that you either kind of have or you don't or whatever. But there's, you can work on that stuff. And you can get it better, you know. There's no wrong answers, but there are bad lyrics, you know, I think. So you can get it better. And it, it, there's so much fun to be had in that to play around with what connects with people. So, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah thanks Thank for coming. You. Thank you so much for My being here. Pleasure. And we'll be right back. All right. And we're back. Welcome back, everyone. So Ryan is so interesting. And I just love that guy so much. And I learned so much just now from this interview and that's saying a lot because we talk a lot i mean this past weekend we were in a car together for probably 20 hours talking the entire time (laughs) and yet i still learned more things about lyrics and the power of lyrics and his process and 
and just like his unique way of thinking and creating. And Mm -hmm. I was just really inspired by it. Yeah. Yeah. That's really awesome. And you and Ryan have led workshops together where he teaches people like how to write lyrics, right? Yeah, we've done, I don't even know how many now, I think five songwriters retreats together. And each one is its own unique thing, depending on who it is that shows up. But I know that his teachings have inspired me and really helped me with my writing, especially in my hip hop duo with my husband, the middle ages, like, we actually wrote our first song together at the at one of the songwriters retreats because Dan was there as well. Mm -hmm. And um, he just really helped with like, telling a story and painting a picture. And Like what he was talking about where you don't want to just like put up a sign. You kind of want to like – I forget exactly how he worded it, but not putting up a sign and more of like pointing you in a direction Mm -hmm. so you kind of can interpret it and have your own experience with it. And that was really helpful because I definitely had a – and I think a lot of songwriters have this where you have – like when you're first starting especially, you just want to say the thing. Mm -hmm. But it is so much more interesting to Mm -hmm. like – try to do it in this other way and he taught me so much and these other songwriters that have been a part of this the retreat with us before have also their songwriting has just like skyrocketed from that one weekend together in a barn in Vermont yeah that's so cool and you know in doing it that way it really does feel like it evokes more emotion because you know the person is able to kind of create their own interpretation based upon their experiences. Absolutely. And those like songs with those lyrics, they bring you back to that moment in time when you were listening to it, whether you were on a road trip and you were like listening to a song, you can like go back to the smells and the sounds and the things because Mm -hmm. it's like it's in the lyrics and in the words. Um, And I would say You know, like a lot of our musicians that we've had on in the past have been more instrumentalist. Mm -hmm. And that music you can listen to recorded, but there's such like a difference when you're listening to it live. And definitely like a Ryan Montblue live show is incredible, but Mm -hmm. I feel like you can also get that power at home at a bigger level than you can with the instrumental music mm-hmm. because it just is like speaking to your soul so that you can you can kind of experience him at any time anywhere as long as you have a listening device yeah totally yeah and that kind of opens up you know what what we want to talk about for the did you know and So, you know, when we're talking about the power of lyrics and how it affects us and brings us right into those emotions, there has been a good amount of research. I mean, there definitely can be more, but, you know, how the brain is affected by music, because certainly music does induce mood, and that's very well known. But a lot of the studies previously have been with instrumental music. So it's probably just in the past 10 years or so that they really started looking at how do lyrics affect us? Because of course, you know, most people listen to pop songs or rock songs, you know, they're not really listening to classical music nowadays as much. So it's important to look at how do those lyrics in those pop songs or those rock songs affect us or rap or whatever it might be. And what most of the literature has found, well, first of all, the 
the music and the lyrics really do activate multiple areas of the brain. So there's not like just one area that is fully being activated. But what I found interesting was that there were multiple studies that showed that happy music without lyrics was actually more inducive of a happy mood, but sad music with lyrics was more inducive of a, a sad mood. So like instrumental happy music actually made a person happier than the music with the lyrics, which I don't really know why that is, but I think that's interesting. But then also that if it's sad music with sad lyrics, it makes people experience more of a sad mood. But the interesting part about that as well is that even though the person may be feeling sad, also the pleasure centers of their brain are being activated when they're listening to that sad music too. Yeah, that is so incredibly interesting. And I got a little sneak preview of Ryan's new EP that may or may not be out by the time you all hear this. And there was a song that was really, really, really sad. And I was listening to it and I was crying. And then after like, like I was crying, but at the same time, it just felt so good. So that (laughs) makes so much sense. Like, I think also, you know, the Adele song, Someone Like You, and it's like, Mm -hmm. there's a whole Saturday Night Live skit about it of how you go and you're like, when you want to like, get a good cry out, you listen to that song, but it's like, you're crying, but it's also this like pleasurable thing that feels good at the same time. So that makes so much sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting how music affects us. And and you know we need to feel those feels so it's it's good to express that emotion and yeah it can make us feel good even though we're feeling bad so cool yeah yeah definitely and you know Ryan's music and his lyrics are such a range of emotion like there's songs that are really happy and there's songs that are sad and there's songs that where like he's feeling angry and everything in between and so for my section Daily Jam. My suggestion to do this every day for the rest of your life is to <laughs> listen to music that has lyrics. And I'm going to suggest that we listen to our guest, Ryan Moplu, and he has those new EPs that are out. So maybe that's what you want to choose. And you can put on some headphones or just play it on the speakers in your house and really close your eyes and listen to the lyrics and let them take you on a journey and feel all the things that that you want to feel and see, and just like see what happens when you listen to those songs with lyrics and just observe what's going on for you. And so that is what I suggest for the Daily Jam. Yeah. And then let us know what you discover at the Groove Therapy Podcast community on Facebook. Share it with us and tell us how you feel, what you're listening to, what kind of a picture it might have painted for you. Yes, we would love to hear from you. And also, Leah, I'm really interested in what you're up to now, too, because I know that like so many of the things that you do evokes like so many feelings and connects Mm -hmm. it to music. So I would just love to hear what you're up to. Yeah. Well, I just opened up doors for the Shine Collective, which I usually do twice a year. So we are up and running with a new group, and that's so much fun to dig in with them. So I'm going to be rolling along with that. If you are interested in being on the waitlist, you can definitely go to drleahtaylor.com and sign up for the waitlist, and I'll let you know. Might even give waitlist members a little 
entry in uh, in a few months. So definitely do that. That is a live a, a membership, an online membership for live music fans that are ready to prioritize their health and wellness and still do it in a fun and authentic way. Be supported by myself with some expert guidance and have the community support for accountability and nurturance and compassion that we all need to keep doing the things we need to do to keep ourselves healthy and happy. Amazing. That sounds like something that everybody that's listening could definitely use. Yes, absolutely. And how about you, Tara Lee? What are you up to? Well, I have been really lit up by my program, Rocking Life Entrepreneur, and it is a program that is for people who have magnificent, beautiful, unique ADHD brains that have a trillion ideas running through them at once. And so what this program does is to help you to take those ideas and your gifts and your talents and combine them into an offering that makes sense that you can monetize and have sustainable income, sustainable and reliable income. And it's really fun. And I love everybody in the group so much. And so if you have a business idea or a trillion business ideas, and you're not exactly sure how it can turn into a viable business, I would love to talk to you. So if you go to my Instagram, it's at rocking life with two underscores after and DM me the word magic. I will know that you are ready to talk about it and we will schedule a time to talk together and see I would I can hear all of your business ideas and give you advice on how you can turn that into a viable business. Wow, what an amazing opportunity. That's awesome. So go check yeah, that and- out. You know, everyone in the group is also a live music fan, so I do a lot of analogies and things relating to music. Like we we dive into social media and my social media content plan is a music venue <laughs> that you create and um, it's really fun to figure out how to do that. And we dance and we meditate and we breathe together. It's just so fun. That's awesome. Yay. So yeah. Get on that if that describes you and you are ready to monetize all of your gifts and talents. Woo woo. <laughs> um, so yeah, we are a part of the Osiris Podcast Network. And if you haven't checked out all the other podcasts that are on this network, I highly recommend that you do because there are so many good ones. There's something for everyone or there's probably actually like 20 things for everyone. Mm-hmm. So go to Osiris Pod and check that out. Definitely. And make sure to follow us on Instagram at Groove Therapy Podcast and join our Facebook community, Groove Therapy Podcast Community. And also follow us on anywhere that you can follow podcasts. I know Spotify, Apple, I'm sure there's a many, many others uh, so that you can know as soon as a new episode drops. Yes, and if you feel called and you want to, leave us a review because we like reading the new ones on the air. So you could be very famous if you leave us a review. Definitely. Yeah, it makes us so excited to see new ones. And we just love knowing what a difference this is making in other people's lives. So tell us. Yes. All right, everybody. I hope that you have an amazing rest of your day and it's filled with magic and love and fun and live music. Yes. Take care, everybody. Bye. Bye.